From the Financial Times in Manchester, I'm Andy Bounds and this is FT News. Manchester is mourning after the most terrible terrorist attack in its history. Some 22 people have died and scores more have been injured. People still remain in hospital being treated and several will be maimed for life. The city is on edge, police cars, armed police raids are going on every day, more houses being raided as police try to mop up a terror network that was linked to the bombing in the Manchester Arena on Monday night. Before the bombing, there was a celebratory mood in Manchester. Manchester United, the football team, followed by half the city, Manchester City is followed by the other half, had got through to the Europa League final, their first European final for many years, and lots of people wearing the shirts, they're out on the streets. We had summer weather, people were out. The concert at the Manchester Arena by Ariana Grande drew people from across the whole of the north. Manchester Arena is a 21,000 capacity venue, one of the biggest in Europe. Built in the 90s in the wake of the deindustrialization, which had laid waste to many parts of the inner city, it was seen as a way of reinventing the place. For a long time, it was called the Manchester Evening News Arena, and it was a real symbol of the city, and this idea that culture was one way to reinvigorate a city that had maybe lost its way when the cotton mills started shut in the 60s and 70s and the engineering works. The city's recently been experiencing economic resurgence, lots of inward investment, cranes on the skyline, houses, apartments being built. It's growing fast, population's going up every year, and it really feels like a place on the up. We'd also just had the initial mayoral elections. So for the first time, Manchester had its own civic leader, Andy Burnham, who is a former Labour cabinet minister, has become the mayor of the city, a sort of American-style dealmaker and figurehead for the city. That happened on May the 4th, and people turned out to vote in reasonable numbers. And it was seen as the next step in its development, really, that it would go on from here. And Mr. Burnham, instead of tackling homelessness and the economy, which was early issues and transport, you know, has ended up with a crisis on his hands. The mood is very somber, but it's also very defiant. People, as one would expect, are going around their daily business. I remember my first long day of reporting on the aftermath of the attack on Tuesday. And I finished up late into the evening and I was walking back to my car and people were sat in the restaurants, you know, doing their normal things, associating with their friends. We've had several vigils. We've had a, a very moving vigil on Tuesday. There was a minute silence on Thursday morning. But one would not know if one wasn't in the city centre where parts remain cordoned off by the police as they investigate the crime scene. One wouldn't really know that anything had happened. We now know that the attacker was a man called Salman Abedi, who was a Libyan but born in Manchester in the 1990s and grown up in Manchester with two brothers and a sister. His father had fled Libya probably in the 80s, we think, or the early 90s, moved to London initially and then came out to Manchester. And the reason that he came to Manchester was there's a big community here of long-standing, especially people who fled the regime of Colonel Gaddafi in the 1980s. And indeed, there were various bombings and attacks in Manchester in that time by the regime against these dissidents. Now, they've since obviously integrated into the city, but they still congregate around one or two mosques and they tend to live in the same areas of the city and associate together. There have been arrests in the past linked to fundraising for Islamic fundamentalist groups among Libyans in the city, but there's never been any idea they might pose a threat to Manchester itself. Race relations in Manchester have been fairly good. Some 15% of the population of Manchester itself is Muslim. They obviously have been coming since the 1950s and 60s when Pakistanis arrived in large numbers to work in the cotton mills as they became short of labour. 
in the towns around Manchester, which form part of the greater conurbation that we call Greater Manchester, which is about 2.8 million people, the Rochdale, Bury, Oldham, there are large communities, again, mainly Pakistani, which came here at the same time. We did have riots in Oldham in 2001, and various reports have said that some of these places are very, very segregated. A lot of the Muslim communities still don't necessarily speak the language. But on the whole, it's been very quiet since then, and it's seen as a tolerant and easygoing place. And perhaps that's reflected by the fact that where the Abadi family lived, their neighbours, many of whom have been there for decades, said that they used to fly a flag, and they weren't sure what flag it was. It turned out it was a Libyan flag, and occasionally would fly a black flag with Arabic writing on it from their car, which, again, nobody thought twice about. They thought it might be something to do with football. So it's a very laid-back, easygoing place. More recently, there's been a wave of immigrants from Iraq and Syria. Refugees have been taken in, and the complexion has changed rather. So the newer communities have sort of overlaid the older, and the one thing that binds them together is the Muslim faith. Mercifully, there's very little sign of any backlash so far. There's been a lot of hot talk on social media, but uh, there's been one recorded attack on a mosque, which was a petrol bomb thrown at a door. Nobody was injured, thankfully. There have been reports of people being spat at or insulted in the street, but so far most of these are anecdotal. We've not seen any spike in, in racial attacks or racial abuse or any sign of any greater segregation. Muslim leaders have warned that they fear such a backlash, but for the time being, it hasn't happened. Over time, one would imagine that far-right groups which have leaped on these kind of incidents in the past will be holding protests and demonstrations. The English Defence League is one such group, but one hopes that the city, as it has in the past, has always turned its back on those kind of groups. So Manchester's always been a very proud city, and that's been on show. Mancunians call themselves Mancunians in a way that Londoners and New Yorkers call themselves that first, even before they're British. And there's been an incredible coming together. We saw it on the night of the bomb. We've had numerous stories of people who looked after the injured and held them while they slipped away to death. And it's really been the story that the city wants to tell about itself and should tell about itself. Not the bombing itself, but the response to it and the way in which people have come together, locked arms, and one can anticipate that in the months ahead, people will move on from this tragedy. Uh, they will never forget it. There was an IRA bomb in 1996, which wrecked the city centre and injured many people. Fortunately, nobody was killed. And 20 years on, that is seen as a rallying point, a point at which people really move the city on. And I think people will be trying to do that again. We saw in the Europa League football final on Wednesday night where the big motto for the city now is a city united, which joins the names of both the teams that play here and just underlines how closely people feel to each other. And, you know, we've seen people just hugging each other in the street. We've seen people offering free drinks to nurses, to doctors, many of whom, of course, come from immigrant communities. So it's a more sombre place, but I think it will get its spirit back and its, and its vibe back. And that swagger that's given us all that great music and that great football and that great culture uh, in a very, very short time. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.